They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menswar. Turn us on. Every now and then I get a little bit helpless and I'm lying like a child in your Turn us on. Every now and then I get a little bit angry and I know I gotta get out of crying. Turn us on. Every now and then I get a little bit terrified but then I see the look in your Turn us on. Every now and then, every now and then I fall apart. Turn us on. Every now and then I fall apart, and I need you now tonight. I can't do that mm-hmm. anymore. My voice is killing me. <laughs> well, welcome everybody. It's season three. Season three. Mm-hmm. Boom. Thank First you. episode of season three. Thank you for joining us on Thoughts That Rock, your favorite podcast where we exchange, you know, some pieces of life-changing advice uh, back and forth, squeezed into about... However long until we get it done. That's how I look That's right. That's right. Why even mention minutes at this point? At this point, it's just a lie. It's a free-for-all. <laughs> We've just been lying to people for six months. It's apparently. the only 90-minute, 20-minute podcast that exists. That's right. We hope you enjoy it. We love that. That's right. It actually really is the first episode of season three. Uh, we did some science experiments with about 13 episodes, and they were awesome. But uh, yeah, we found a couple minor things scars that we to do. Just minor, minor scars. Can't even behind. tell. Can't hardly tell anymore. Death by a thousand cuts. That's right. So who do we support these days, Brian? I think they know, but just in case uh, they don't, you know, if you're under a rock or you just don't care, uh, this podcast supports Cannibal Kids Cancer and their amazing fight for finding treatment options for kids who've been told they've run out of options. If they can't find a treatment, they fund a treatment. They're amazing. Check them out, cannibalkidscancer.org. We absolutely love those guys. And listen, we know how busy you are. Yep. And, uh, you know, life's coming at you at about 100 miles an hour. You're trying to get through the day, but yet you still want to be able to just take a second to every once in a while just learn something, right? Yep. You're trying to find a, a little nugget of wisdom and however okay. form it comes in. It could be a book, it could be a webinar, it could be a podcast, whatever it is. We totally get that. Mm-hmm. And we want to be part of that. We just want to amp up your life. Yep. And so it doesn't really even matter what you're doing right now. Let's say you could be, I don't know, chilling at your favorite fishing spot. Mm, smells. Maybe you're laying PVC. Ow, my fingers. Maybe you're working on a PowerPoint presentation for your 64-year-old boss. I can't get it to stop repeating. Does not really matter to us, but we are about to give you the 30 minutes you've been looking forward to all week. Sounds dirty. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Boo-boo. Our guest today is Dr. Randy Ross who is a fantastic speaker and consultant and a best-selling author of actually multiple books, including his latest book that is entitled Relationomics, Business Powered by Relationships. First off, Randy, welcome to Thoughts at Rock. 
Well, thanks. It's great to be with you. Great to have you here. And, and you know, just to be uh, completely transparent, I've known Randy for a couple of years. He's uh, a great friend. And, and you know, we're going to talk a little bit about Randy, but we'll have his entire bio, obviously, in the show notes uh, for, for anybody that wants to go and check out all the awesome things that he does. But I at least want to do a, a couple cool highlights. First off, he's a former chief people officer. So, you know, right up in the the lane that, that we were able to play in for so many years, you know, and I just really respect that a lot. And we've been able to work in some of the same industry conferences. He's worked with brands like GE and Cox Communications and the Compass Group and Chick-fil-A, who we love, and Keller Williams and a bunch of others as well. He's currently, though, the CEO of Remarkable, which is also the, the book that I probably fell in love with. It's the book of the same name, Remarkable actually got it sitting right here in front of me and uh you know i've just always been a fan of of you randy and i know that you've uh inspired and enabled countless people to find new passions and purpose in their work and and really to work better together in teams and just have greater influence and impact and you know brant he's he's one of the funniest guys that i know i've, I've watched him on stage with great humor he's a great communicator and uh, we're, we're just uh, we're a fan of you and, and just thrilled that you were able to make it on the show. So once again, thanks a lot for being here. That. Oh, man, well, that's a, a mouthful. I appreciate you, all those uh, kind words and affirmation. i got to be transparent with you as well, though. I, I listen to your podcast, but I think you need to do video because I am, I'm jealous of your hair and branch hair. I, just, <laughs> I wish somehow I could transplant your hair on my head and I'd be a happy man. We're waiting for the hair care sponsorship before we do that. That's what we need. (laughs) We just have to wait a little bit longer and then we're going to do that. And then we'll start selling hair care products on our website. Hair that that rocks. Hair that rocks. Exactly. We love that. Well, I'm the first to buy in. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Um, You know, and something else too, and I was thinking about this right before we jumped on the show, it's... um, you know, it's kind of fortuitous because even though I just got to know you a couple of years ago, I actually knew of some of the work that you've done, not just through the book, but some of your tools. When I had a, a recruiting company called Careers Forward a few years back, we actually used some of your assessment tools as part of our hiring process. And I know that you helped develop a lot of that stuff with uh, Chick-fil-A, but we actually reference you and have referenced you in the past, actually I don't know if you remember this, Brant, but Angela Robb, our very first mm-hmm. episode, she talked about Randy's yeah. processes and tools. So That's right. you've actually, you know, sort of been on the show already before. So we're we're just thankful for that. But boy, you do some good work in that uh, in the HR space. So well, I appreciate that. We really uh, challenge organizations to to understand that if if they want remarkable results, there are two things they have to do, and if they do those two things well, then everything else is easy. But if they miss it on those two points, then everything else is going to be hard. And that's that they have to first hire remarkable people. Yep. And and that's not always an easy thing to do because a lot of organizations don't use the right tools. They don't use the right processes. They don't really know how to get to the heart of the issue. And so they, they fail in hiring top talent. And the other thing you've got to do is you've got to craft a remarkable culture. But if you get those two things right, then everything else uh, really flows because that way you don't have to – a light of fire underneath people. All you have to do is fan the flame within them. So that's really what we focus on uh, in terms of our, our consulting with organizations. Love that. Well, let's get into it then. You know, versus that traditional interview style that we do on a lot of podcasts, you've probably, you know, heard some of these that'll take an hour that are going to go through the entire background. We just want to get right to your, uh, your great piece of advice. So we're going to leave the floor open to you, Randy. What is your thought that rocks? 
Well, here's the thing I'd like everybody to consider, and that's just, it's a very simple concept, but it's so profound. Those who aspire to be their best must aggressively seek continuous feedback. Hmm. Love that. Yeah. Where, tell us more about that. Where did that come from from you? Well, it's a matter of working with organizations and, and watching a lot of uh, cultures and watching how people relate to one another. Uh, we know that people and organizations thrive in relationally rich environments. But one of the things I think that happens is the higher we ascend in leadership and the more we're expected to turn around and give advice, counsel, mentorship to other people, one of the things we often fail to do is to flip that and ask them on a regular basis, hey, how am I doing? How do you see me? Am I providing everything for you that you need to be successful? I guess I call it the the poor man's 360. (laughs) Everybody knows what a 360-degree review is all about, where you have people above you, below you, beside you, give you feedback on your performance. But it seems that the higher that people rise in organizational life, let's just call it the C-suite, they they very rarely ask for people to give them feedback on their performance. Sometimes the board of directors might do that. But I can't tell you the number of times I've looked at C-suite leaders and I've asked the question, when's the last time you asked your direct reports to tell you how well you were doing, to grade you? And often get these blank looks because the reality is they don't. They aren't continuously seeking feedback. It's kind of what I call uh, the self-help conundrum. Uh, If you go into any bookstore, the largest section of the bookstore is what? Self-help. Self-help. Yep. And everybody knows that. Here's the challenge. Um, People want to grow. Let's just say healthy people want to grow, but most people don't know how. And I say that because in those areas that we really need to grow, we don't have the kind of feedback that's necessary to facilitate that growth because we call those things blind spots. A blind spot is something that everybody else sees, but we don't necessarily see about ourselves. And if we don't have significant other people in our lives who believe in us and want the best for us and are willing sometimes even to risk the relationship to speak truth into our worlds, then those areas that we need to refine the most go um, sight unseen from our standpoint because it's hard for us to see those things in the mirror. And so I think to have people in your life that you continually turn to and ask them, hey, how am I doing? I think it's critically important. It's it's necessary in order for growth to take place. Well, I think it's got to be more difficult, Randy, as as you climb the ladder, right? So the the higher the the position you hold with an organization, uh, the harder it is, I think, to to ask for that feedback. Uh, Interestingly, though, I think that if they see it happening at the very top, um, it certainly fosters the the willingness to to be more open um, in the ranks, if you will. But I mean, I, I, I would assume it comes back to the hiring factor, right? You got to hire people who are willing to to share and give feedback and not be afraid and have a culture that fosters that sort of environment. Otherwise, you're just going to have yes men and women surrounding you for the, your entire tenure. I would assume. Yeah, I know you pinpointed it because the reality is that many, many environments are not safe environments. 
if the environment, if people are concerned about you know giving feedback and there then there being some sort of a punitive measure or backlash against that feedback, then they're obviously not going to share that because they're they're scared of whatever negative repercussions may come their way. But if you do create um, and let's just take it back to the hiring process. I think one of the biggest things that organizations need to look for in the hiring process is how well the people receive feedback. Yep. You know, just a great question to ask is, like, when's the last time someone close to you gave you feedback that was hard for you to hear? Yeah. Um, and so if we, if we find people who are not only open to feedback, but they aggressively seek feedback, that, that tells me that there's a desire on their part. They want to grow. Yeah. Um, and again, here's part of the problem. You know, people people say they want to grow, but the reality is in order for growth to take place, there has to be change. And we, by our very nature, change are resisting. Yep. And so, therefore, I think we have to be uh, very open-minded and aggressively seek feedback from others. And it's not just a matter of, you know, the top leaders in any organization. It's really all of us. But what happens is if we can create within our cultures, within those organizational environments – open loops of continuous feedback, then what happens is then those organizations become self-correcting and self-coaching. Yep. And you don't have to have a whole lot of policies and procedures governing the organization, you know, developing more or less a police state because people believe enough in one another and they want to help each other enough that they don't allow bad behavior to continue. I think what you, you know, you've alluded to also, not just in the recruiting, I think you could almost put this as a, as a process in almost every area of the employee life cycle, certainly on the front end. I was just talking with an organization earlier this week and they were asking about performance appraisals and they said, what, what's your opinion about doing these? Um, number one, doing it at all, but certainly trying to tie it to tenure, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think what's starting to happen is you're starting to see a lot of companies that are throwing the performance appraisal out they're sort of moving toward performance discussions that you can put a process in place and just have a quick, you know, 10 minute check-in as to how things are going. And to your point in the recruiting and the interviewing and how you regularly communicate, there's certainly a lot of things that you could put into place so that the feedback, like you're talking about here, if you want to aspire to be the best, if I'm using your quote, the constant feedback, isn't this one big thing that happens once a year. It's just part of the process. And, like you said, if you're asking people how they're going to respond or how they would, would normally respond to feedback or tough feedback, it, you know, once you start to see those red flags, that's going to be an issue for you. And and I'm convinced, Brand, like you were just asking, that probably doesn't happen very often. People figure it out at some point down the road and ooh, yeah. it's too late. I think, well, par- I think the heavy lifting happens um, in the environment. You've got to create the environment, you know, in the music business. When you go in to record a record, the environment of which you record that record can be heard all over that record, mm-hmm. and both internally and externally, right? So you go into a, an environment that's a t- super tight ship. People are, you know, you're sort of afraid to to make a mistake. You 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 put yourself in this position. Um, you hear that tightness on the record. You don't get the performance that you really want. Um, on tape because it's just, it doesn't happen. Uh, the environment actually overshadows the ability to perform. And, um, you know, otherwise you, you have a, you know, the best producers are the ones that create this environment that's welcoming and, and really allows people to dig into their, 
their personal self and and express themselves without fear of retaliation or fear fear of of being made fun of or or any of those things so you get people willing to sort of live on the edge which is where the best performances come but that basically leads us Randy right into the second thought for today which I think is is great and I'm dying to know sort of your your answer to this but you know our thought that rocks uh, is this thoughts that rock number two it comes from warren buffett and it's the difference between successful people and really successful people is that really successful people say no to almost everything so let's assume we've got an environment that is created for the feedback that is necessary that you that you want how the heck do you know which feedback to take yeah well, again, that's a great question. I think it depends on whether you're in a customer service environment and you need to get feedback from everyone you possibly can or if it's personal growth and development. So let me take it from personal growth and development first. Um, one of the things that, that we often allude to is what we call the trilogy of a great culture. And a great culture or a remarkable culture is a place where people believe the best in one another. They want the best for one another. And so, therefore, they expect the best from one another. Mm, I love that. So, when when you know that people believe the best in you, and they want the best for you, then you're much more open to receive the feedback that they provide. And so, when you're talking about personal growth and development, I think you need to ask those people that are closest to you who really know you, not just casual acquaintances, but you know those who walk with you on a daily basis. They see the good, the bad, the ugly. But yet they believe in you. They're your cheerleaders. They're they're the ones who you know want to see you be successful. That could be your closest friends, family members, your colleagues, those that work closely with you that you admire, trust, and respect. And I think those are when you put great stock in their in their in their feedback. Um, when it comes to customer service, obviously you want to garner as much feedback as you possibly can for as many sources as possible. But you have to also then vet through that information. And try to figure out, okay, where's this coming from and, and what do we listen to and what do we not listen to? I, I totally agree with that statement by Warren Buffett when it comes to establishing your priorities. And I think, too, you have to be careful when you do seek that feedback that you get it from trusted advisors. But it doesn't have to necessarily always be just you know senior, senior leaders within the life of the organization. Let me tell you to a personal matter. I think one of the, the the elements, part of the glue that not only holds teams together, that holds significant relationships together, let's call it marriage, is this whole idea of feedback as well. Mm-hmm. Creating a safe environment where you can talk openly and honestly and share with one another points that you might need to emphasize in order for growth to take place. Um, I often ask people, so you know, what's your growth plan? What's your relational plan in your most significant relationships? What's your uh, what's your uh, relational plan for your marriage? And people look at me like I, I'm crazy. Right. And I say, well, I don't even know what that is, much less how to get one. And it's very, very simple. Just give you a quick, easy take here, a test that you can use. Um, sit down with whomever it is, if your spouse, your significant other, something close to you, that you really want to see that relationship flourish. And, and just pick out those common topics, uh, those areas of concern that are mutual. So if it's um, your spouse, it might be finances or parenting or intimacy or communication, any area. 
and then choose one of those areas and ask two simple questions. The first question is, on a scale of 1 to 10, let's just take communication, say it's between you and your spouse. On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate our communication as it stands currently? And no matter what that person says in response, whether it's a 6, 8, or a 9, or whatever, don't, don't stop there. Don't even inquire or challenge that number. Here's the second question is where the real richness lies. The second question is, okay, suppose they, they rated your communication as 6. Then say something like this. So, okay, if our communication is a 6, uh, and we both want it to be a 10, want it to be stellar, couldn't be any better, what would I need to do? What, what could I do to move our communication from a 6 to a 10? And now all of a sudden you've got ideas on how to improve that from the other person's perspective because as they look in and they see and, and assess the relationship, these are areas that, that you can focus on to help improve that. So you focus on that for 30, 60, 90 days and circle back around. Say, hey, last time you, know, you gave me some ideas that I've trying to put those into practice. We were at a six two months ago. Where are we now? And I think that's just a very simple yet impactful way to improve relationships because we don't often stop and talk about those kinds of significant issues, even with those that are closest to us that we love the most. Yeah. But that, that will move our relationships forward. I love it. And, and definitely Brant and I are going to be doing that tonight, <laughs> not with our spouses, but with each other. I want to move us from a six to it's a, a long way to yeah, the top hey, if you want to rock and roll. One day that'll help you with your spouse, okay? <laughs> yes, it will. That's right. He's, yes, got, will. he's got a ways to go from two to ten. Right. Randy. It's, it's a long slog. <laughs> I, I think also, Brent, with this thought um, that we picked, you know, it's it's the saying no, which is so hard because, it's you know, it's easy to say yes. And, you know, a lot of people will study Buffett, and I think, you know, he's got this whole mentality that comes with that about this 80% rule this mentality that he goes i'm gonna spend 80 percent of my time reading and thinking like you, you think he's working on all these deals and working on strategies not he's working on other stuff and even implements what he calls the five hour rule he goes if you're not spending five hours on learning mm. or thinking about anything where knowledge to him is like the that that's the currency of the day yep. because you're being irresponsible with yourself because you never have a chance to step back and think strategically which you know, Randy, with you being a, a former chief people officer, I always thought about human resources like this. I thought if if you were reporting to operations, and I know there's some companies that like that, you know, you're always at the mercy of whatever's going on. You're constantly putting out fires. But HR, chief people officers, have an opportunity to step back and think strategically what could make us better. And part of that, obviously, is the, this feedback loop that you're talking about that not only do we see continuous feedback, but tying it back in, Brant, that you're talking about, you got to say no every once in a while to a bunch of other minor things so you can only focus on the stuff like your values. Yeah. And and perhaps, like you talk about on yeah. your sessions, scheduling that time out so that you can do this type of stuff, right? Yeah, well, I think people get distracted by the things that are important, but not the things that are the non-negotiables. And so when they're trying to divvy up their time, they're, they're actually not being good stewards of, of that. They're actually yeah. spending too much time on things that aren't going to have the impact. They're not going to take something from six to 10. They're going to, they're going yeah. to, they spread it so thin that it's just surface and you never get to the real uh, issues. You never have the real deep discussions, 
which are actually going to move you forward. And um, which yeah. is what Randy's talking about. Yeah, I mean, he's going. Listen, yeah. take the time and do the rating and have the actual conversation versus tiptoeing around yeah. and it, never get into the. Again, route. it comes back, and I think what Randy, what you said is is incredibly important. And and I would assume this is this is the conundrum I think that ends up happening is the idea is you want to allow sort of your inner circle right your your five people or so that you spend the most amount of time with that that Don Yeager talked to us about uh, on an earlier episode um, that he learned from Coach Wooden and and the idea is those people are the ones who are speaking into your lives they're the ones you spend the most amount of time with so they're the ones that you trust their their advice and their feedback and all that sort of thing but you know the interesting thing I think is that sort of in today's world of C-suite culture, um, the higher you get, the more people you cut out of your life. So, so even finding those people that you trust, finding those people that, that have the, the guts and the courage to say something to you, um, becomes even more difficult because it seems like, uh, the, the higher you get, the thinner your, your, uh, you know, pack of people that are, yeah. that are close to you get, is that your, something? Wolf, your wolf pack? That's exactly small, right. That's yes. Yes. Yeah. No doubt about that. And I think one thing I want to be clear about is this is not a matter seeking to please everyone. You can't do everything and, and take all the advice that may be offered. And that's not what I'm trying to suggest. I think your Buffett quote plays into this because what you want to do is those among you know, in your closest circle, if you see a consistent theme or thread, a commonality there, that may be something you really need to look at. But to narrow that down, uh, you may be familiar with Gary Keller. He's the one individual who uh, founded Keller Williams Realty, mm, yeah. one of the largest real estate groups in the world currently. And he wrote a book not too terribly long ago called The One Thing. And I love the idea because it's this idea that what's the one thing you need to do today? Or what's the one thing you need to focus on right now that would have the greatest impact on your future in a positive way? And that's really what I'm trying to get to is that I think that when we ask these kinds of significant questions, we'll get beyond you know, this uh, this idea that, that we can pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and we begin to seek significant feedback from others. They're going to be able to share some insights with us that will help us become the very best that we can be. Yeah. You know, the, uh, along those lines, too, and this will tie again, I think, both of the thoughts. It's, uh, you think about these... Um, the top athletes in the world, and, and Brand, I know you've talked about this a lot, particularly with Tiger Woods. You know, everybody, no matter how high up they get, yes, that board of directors, the circle might be small, but it seems like everybody goes out to get somebody to help them on perhaps one area, a performance coach. Actually, um, Alan Stein Jr. has been on the show, especially, you know, right now with uh, the passing of Kobe Bryant. He talks about the fact that he was able to spend a little bit of time with him working on one specific area and Kobe only trusted him to be able to work on that one area. Tiger mm -hmm. Woods has a coach, um, you know, Johnny Manziel needed a coach. So I think about, I think <laughs> still about needs the, a coach. He still, still needs anybody. Right. I, I think you, you know, going all the way back to you saying those who aspire to be the best must aggressively seek continuous feedback, you know, no matter how far up you get, even if you can find one person to confide in or to maybe whisper in your ear and say, this is an area where you could amp it up a little bit more. I, I think those that are a little bit more open to it, it then gets to your quote that you talked about, Brian, which is now you have the ability to say no yeah. because you can find the one small thing. I even remember uh, there was a time, and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but when I was working in uh, training and development and I was reporting up through HR, one of the things that 
we decided to do, and, and this is sort of dictated to me, is we carved up all of the managers in the organization throughout the world, and everybody in human resources took, I think it was like 15, 20 names. And our goal was we were supposed to call them once a quarter to basically just check in, see how things are going. How could I help you? In theory, it sounds really good, but it's a monumental pain in the butt for them. Sure. It was a pain in the butt for us. Nobody had time. It was clunky. It didn't feel right. It felt very contrite. Yep. And and within two or three calls, I said no. Yeah. I just told my boss I wasn't going to do it. Yeah. And it, it didn't go well. But yeah. <laughs> we all stopped it like pretty quick because yeah. everybody figured it out. Yeah. And I, in my mind, I was thinking about some of the stuff that you talk about, both of you, which is... This doesn't contribute to my values. This yeah. does not help me from a time standpoint or really yeah. it's making it worse in the organization. So I, I just, I, I love both of these quotes for different reasons, but I think if you can focus on the thing that's going to contribute to your personal goals, your personal values, then uh, you, you're not going to be able to, to go wrong. It's not going to steer you wrong. Yeah. Well, I think to wrap the whole idea of this, uh, seeking feedback, uh, there's a, um, a single frame cartoon. I don't know if you remember Frank and Ernest, but Frank and Ernest are these two uh, vagabonds who hang out together. And in one uh, frame cartoon, they're sitting on a park bench and Frank says to Ernest, he says, yes, there's a certain amount of pride in being a self-made man. But to tell you the truth, if I had to do all over again, I'd get a little more help. And I think uh, the reality is if we each, seek to get a little bit more help you know you jim you mentioned the whole slew of athletes who have coaches and i, and I love that because it's it's something we all understand as we um, look at the sports world but the reality is when we look in corporate america there aren't nearly as many people who have coaches as uh, as there should be yeah uh, or trusted advisors and what seems to be commonplace you know the sports world is not necessarily so commonplace in the corporate world and it should be Yep. Agreed. We'd be in a much better place, wouldn't we? Yeah, we had we those. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure this is a lot of the stuff that factors right into your book. As much as I love Remarkable, I know Relationomics is, uh, you know, really the, the big thing right now. And uh, I, I'd love for you to just let people know where they can get that and maybe just a, a, a quick synopsis. What is uh, what is the book and, and the website where they can go and grab that? Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks for asking. Uh, you can find Relationomics wherever fine books are sold or online, uh, anywhere through a number of different sources. But um, if people want to learn a little bit more about us and what we do, you can go to drrandyross.com. The whole thrust of Relationomics is just this simple idea that people and organizations thrive in relationally rich environments. And even though that sounds like common sense, it's not always common practice. And although we all say we want healthy relationships, we don't always behave in a manner that um, that encourages relationships to flourish. And so what I wanted to do was to write a book that would help managers create environments that would inspire people to connect relationally in a healthy way and would uh, inspire them to bring their best to work every day. So you know, whether you're looking to improve team dynamics or you're just looking for some help to improve relationships individually, hopefully the book will provide some encouragement. That's great. And, uh, you know, again, I, I've watched you in practice. I think probably the last time I saw you speak was at a chart conference, which is uh, we talked about on the show, the Council of Hotel and Restaurant Trainers. And you knocked it out of the park, man. And just, again, humor and, and really talking about how to get to the soul of people and doing that with a heart. 
I um, mean, you know, it's just really refreshing and, uh, I'm a fan and, uh, and we'll make sure that, uh, we put all this contact information in the show notes and we hope we can turn more people onto the work that you and your team are doing. So brother, we can't thank you enough for spending a little bit of time with us on thoughts at rock. Oh, it's my pleasure. Love what you guys are doing. Keep up the good work. You're Thanks, awesome, man. Brother. Thanks so much. Talk rock to you on. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to make sure you don't ever miss an episode. And if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, we're exclusively represented by Kepler Speakers, the industry's leading resource for booking conference keynotes. To start your unforgettable experience, go to KeplerSpeakers.com. Until next time, rock rock on. on.